Blog Talk Radio. As uh, our economy evolves, we've seen a significant uptick in mergers and acquisitions. Uh, a lot of different things bring those about, and not only do successful companies grow by buying smaller ones, we've we've actually seen a new trend develop in the last uh, decade or two in which companies are started, it seems, strictly for the purpose of selling the entity, um, obviously often for a very significant profit. But the traditional M&A process thrives as well, and today we're going to talk about that and provide some guidance to both buyers and sellers. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and on hand to provide some valuable input and knowledge is founding partner of Lavelle Law, Kerry Lavelle. Kerry and his firm uh, have been integral in, in many transactions of this type for companies of all sizes, so I, I know we stand to gain a great deal of information from him, a lot to cover. So good morning, Kerry. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jim, so much, and thanks for uh, agreeing to take on this, uh, what we think is a very important topic and uh, kind of, a, as you indicated, it's not uh, necessarily new, but it seems like there's an uptick in the, uh, in the M&A field in the, um, in the market these days. Yeah, no, it's, it's, the, over the years you've done this, I mean, I would assume it perhaps at one point there was a sort of a standard way that, that mergers and acquisitions came about, but maybe that's changing. Are, are there different factors that can lead to the development of a deal these days? Well, one of them is just, you know, growth. And <clears throat> um, uh, a company wants to figure out a way to kind of get larger, and um, they uh, may be very strong in the Chicago market, and they may say, hey, it might be great if we can extend a little further, get out to the outlying suburbs, or possibly a similar business is operating in Milwaukee, and we would like to sort of own that market, you know, geographically close. And, um, and those kind of deals are called uh, strategic purchases, the strategic purpose, uh, purchases also sometimes are up and down the distribution chain. They may buy a vendor uh, who supplies them a majority of their uh, materials. They may buy a distribution house or a, um, a, uh, a transportation company. And again, up and down the chain of the distribution for their product. So that's what, uh, that's what you kind of typically see in terms of generating and uh, an acquisition to grow your business. And I, I have to assume, you know, growing obviously is, is important and, and uh, a lot of companies seek that, but I assume that there's potentially other benefits that, that can come from, you know, a merger of two companies or the purchase of one of another. Yeah. Um, go, keeping on the same theme of uh, staying within your market or, I'm sorry, staying within your business, um, you know, there's two sides to the same coin, and that is uh, one side is bigger is not necessarily better, okay? So just getting bigger doesn't necessarily make you a better company. However, the other side of that is getting bigger allows you to press suppliers harder, get better pricing. There is an incentive there to, um, to make your trucks go out fuller when they're not half full. Mm-hmm. So now your transportation costs become half because you can fill your trucks further, uh, there's efficiencies in, in uh, sending out uh, full teams of people. There's efficiencies in keeping your machinery and equipment in the plant running, uh, if not one shift, two shifts uh, every day. Some uh, seasonal work, the plant is running three shifts during the day. So there are efficiencies to being bigger. 
and uh, and I think uh, sharp business owners they recognize that and to add volume to their existing facility without necessarily adding overhead uh, creates a very very uh, uh, you know attractive opportunity there for businesses. And, and some of the businesses we see that have been really successful, obviously they they may have very aggressive management people in charge who who have a good vision for the future. But before people start getting too excited, um, what are some of the complexities? What are some of the things that they really got to think about before they start pursuing some of these deals? Well, uh, they have to start off by understanding. And again, I'm going to the small business. We haven't talked about what I would call the portfolio purchasers where they buy them to, to flip businesses, and we can get into that. Mm -hmm. But if you're just kind of like looking into buying a business, you have to really um, – it starts off with a letter of intent, confidentiality agreements, and you start to look into the business. So what you really want to do is understand how that business would fold into your business using your business's pricing structure, accounting department, um, there are some uh, duplicative services that two independent businesses will no longer need when they uh, come together in a, in a purchase and use the accounting and marketing are two of the departments that uh, collapse and unfortunately some people lose their jobs under those cases. They may bring the manufacturing in. And um, So anyway, going back to your, your question, those are the things you look at. Like how is this new business going to affect my P&L, not necessarily mm -hmm. the P&L standalone of the target business, but how is it going to affect me, and how can I, what will my P&L look like after that? And if you get those synergies that I mentioned earlier, um, it could be very, very uh, uh, good. But going to your question is what do you got to look out for is you need to look out for does all that work? Because you can have all, and you need a great accounting team to do that. Uh, the great accounting team doesn't necessarily look into the cultural aspects of folding the business together. Do they operate culturally very different? And um, so those things all combined are just very careful steps that we haven't even gotten to the legal documentation yet where the businesses will survive and thrive post-closing or post-merger. If uh – if you visit LavelleLaw.com, you get a good look at the services that uh, that law firm provides as well as uh, a good look at Carrie's extensive legal background. We'll, we'll talk a little bit here about some of the various departments and how they might be involved in handling M&A activity, but uh, we're only going to skim the surface today. So um, LavelleLaw.com, you can browse a number of articles, podcasts on this and, and other legal topics like this. And you know, it's very timely to be talking with you today, Kerry. There's a little article on the front page of the local newspaper today about your firm handling M&A and some of the exposure there. And I, I have to assume that while many companies have a good business attorney, when you start talking about mergers, buying and selling, you, you need a more established law firm. And, and what are some of the things that your firm might bring to the table in terms of taxes and other things that go into a, a business purchase or sale? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good business lawyers uh, out there, Chicago land area, of course. We have a, a, a just the, some of the top law firms in the city and out in the suburbs. It's a little bit different. There are a lot of good business lawyers out in the suburbs. However, what you really kind of need to consider is do you have a firm that has been through this before? Because you're talking about securities issues. You're talking about complex tax issues. 
you just kind of think about just a merger of a, a business or a um, or an acquisition of, a, of another business that it is tax neutral because folks tend to think of uh, taxes uh, in a finite area of income taxes and they kind of think well at the end of the year if I bring in more money than my expenses I have to pay tax on that it's called income tax that's all true but the Internal Revenue Code has uh, sort of governing uh, uh, code sections on the combination of businesses and business combinations and well, one thing we are very sensitive to is doing these deals in the most tax-efficient way possible. The most tax-efficient way possible. It's not cheating the government out of anything. The government allows you in the Internal Revenue Code to do things in certain ways with stock swaps and sharing stock from one company of the, to the other in a way that triggers no tax at all. And it's, it's available to the taxpayers involved in it if they avail their transaction to those code sections. And that's when the lawyers have to get involved to structure a deal in a tax-efficient way and then document it in a tax-efficient way. And if there are some Trojan horses of tax that will come up post-closing, you have to talk to the client about it. You've got to talk to the uh, purchasing entity the selling entity has to um, understand uh, about that, and there has to be a dialogue on it as to what the after-tax effects of the deal are. The securities issues has to be addressed, not major generally, but there are some, some issues with securities. And then finally, of course, if it's a larger nuts business and you reach a certain level, you have to register the deal with uh, – uh, Federal Trade Commission to make sure there is uh, no antitrust issues there, and there's a certain filing for that too in bigger businesses. Well, great. Yeah, I definitely wanted to uh, to make sure we mention that. So that that's a great point. And um, earlier you mentioned CPAs, and obviously part of any deal here, you reference tax structure, is the financing. Now, do the attorneys work on that? Is that where you bring in financial experts? I mean, how, how does the financing get handled? Well. Uh, generally, we want the um, uh, a qualified accountant to be moving along the lines with us par on a parallel track. So uh, lawyers that have a tax background, uh, like we do, that uh, we're worried about the tax effects of the structure itself. There are really great accountants who focus in on the income tax experts or ex expectations and say, hey, yeah, remember when we combine these companies, there's going to be a, a, a write-down or a write-up in basis for depreciation purposes. Maybe this could be done better this way. We can do this election that's allowed under the code to step up the basis and the assets so we could restart a depreciation on used equipment. And um, they are really the experts on those income tax aspects, and we love to have them aboard so they weigh in on the tr transaction too. And they're very important um, couple, the whole process. A couple of minutes left, and there's a few things I want to get to. And this one, you, you mentioned earlier that sort of the due diligence process, you, you bring the uh, attorneys like yourselves in to start looking at the deal. Uh, does it make sense sometimes, though, after you've looked at it, to, to say, look, this, this isn't going to work, and, and is it the right recommendation to sometimes walk away from something? Yeah, sometimes that has to happen, um, and, and it does come up, and it's usually – uh, the client is uh, working with a CPA, a CPA, 
and the economics tend to work for them, and that's what makes the deal go forward. When they shut down on economics, it's many times before we get to the deal. Then sometimes uh, they take a handshake deal and give it to the lawyers to document, and they realize they haven't talked through all the nuances of the deal. And rarely, but sometimes, deals fall apart when you start getting into the details of the indemnifications, the holdbacks, the promises, the representations, the warranties were being made. Sometimes the deal will bog down in that stage, too. It's not often, but it can happen. It can happen. And I... Before I let you go, we've had, I know we could do a whole other podcast on a couple of these things, but um, you talked about supply chain and the assets and, you know, physical plant and such. But uh, do you also look at things like intellectual property and, and employee contracts? I mean, are those all things that have to be factored into uh, a transaction when it's going to take place? Yeah, that would be, uh, Jim, that would be a, on a very long laundry list of things that we would check out through due diligence. If you're a buyer, you want to know that you're going to own the intellectual property and it's just not represented to you that it is registered uh, trademark information and all the employee contracts. Generally, how, however the deal's structured, those employee contracts may have to be honored and they move over or there may be clauses in those employment contracts that get turned off and terminate the contracts when there's a change in control of the business. So those are nuanced into the document. You've got to check those out. But certainly, if you're a seller, you've got to be selling registered, proper uh, trademark material and intellectual property. And we try to help with that on the front end. And if we're representing a, a buyer, we certainly drill down on that. And you mentioned earlier uh, sometimes people buying businesses to flip them almost like they would with a, with a home. Uh, g- give me a quick 30 seconds on what you see happening there. Sure. Those are mostly the venture capital guys. They have money. Um, they have funds that have an excessive amount of money, and they look for value purchases or growth purchases. And they will buy a business, keep it in their uh, fund as a portfolio purchase, see if they can ramp it up either by scale or by efficiencies, by pairing it with a business that's in their portfolio already. And then when you get those efficiencies that I mentioned earlier, then they will look for a buyer, and uh, generally they're pretty smart folks. They get a, a higher purchase price than um, uh, when they sell than when they purchased. And that those deals well, go on all day long in our uh, in our country in the uh, M and A world. Uh, exceptional information today from Attorney Kerry Lavelle. I want to thank him for being with us. And obviously, so much more we could talk about. So, LavelleLaw.com or give Kerry a call at eight four seven seven zero five seven five five five. Um, great team of folks over there that can kind of walk through this with you. And uh, we'll look forward to maybe bringing Kerry back soon to talk a little bit more about some of these. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks, for everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.